beginning. Welcome to the Grief Dreams Podcast. My name is Sean Ram alongside Dr. Joshua Black. Uh, and we are here today to interview uh, another guest, another person who's going to share their story with us. And her name is Heather Barner. Let me tell you a little bit about Heather. So she is an East Coast born and bred Canadian who moved to Ontario with her then boyfriend, now fiance, in the summer of 2014. Heather was raised in New Brunswick, which is where she followed in her mother's footsteps in attending Mount Allison University, where she studied English, graduating with a Bachelor of Arts degree. When Heather was 23 years old, her mom died in a terrible accident. Within less than two months, Heather had moved to Ontario. And in the 4.5 years since, Heather has dealt with her grief through therapy, faith, and plenty of writing. She's written pieces about grief and loss and that have been published by Time, Exojane, and Elite Daily and shares her grief journey through her Instagram account at Storms and Silver Linings. At the start of this calendar year, she launched a blog called Storms and Silver Linings. Heather, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. We're really happy to have you, not only because you're a fellow Canadian, but you're from the East Coast, which is an area that we've started to get a lot more attention from, a lot more downloads from. So shout out to all you guys on the East Coast. Thank you for listening. Oh, yeah, awesome. probably probably something to do with Josh's appearance on CBC Radio. Right, Josh? Mm. Yeah, I was, I was able to do a couple call-in shows down there. So that was fun. And I guess they have a big reach. Who knew? <laughs> and so Very cool. Yeah, so I guess I sold the podcast enough that people are starting to tune in from over there. Oh, that's awesome. That's really good to hear. Enough about us, Sean. Let's talk, let's talk about Heather. <laughs> so, Heather, I have a question. Is there any Go differences ahead. with like how like Ontario is run versus New Brunswick? Was there anything like different or is it more or less the same? Um, honestly, I think what's really interesting for me is just my experience as a maritimer. It was from the time I was born until I was 23 years old. And then now I'm 28. So then 23 to 28, I've been in Ontario. So it's been kind of my adulthood experience. Mm. So to compare the two experiences is kind of difficult just because obviously growing up life is one way. And then as an adult, it's very, very different. Uh, but culturally, there's definitely uh, just little quirks and differences. And even now I say I pronounce certain words very differently I'm told I, I don't necessarily notice the difference myself just things like I say uh, like I would go on a tour of a building and here in Ontario people say they would go on a tour which oh, I think yeah. is extremely bizarre <laughs> so it's just little things like that <laughs> I mean I love both I I have a lot of maritime pride for sure but at the same time I I really do and like I live in Coburg now and it's a beautiful town so I I, I have the best of both worlds Amazing. So yeah, let's talk about your life in New Brunswick then. So what was it like being raised by your mom since really your this this grief journey has begun uh, through her death? So what was it like mm -hmm. being raised by her? So where I was originally raised um, from the time I was born until I was about 10 or 11 years old was this very, very small little community um, called Bayvert. And it is um, honestly, people say they're from a small town. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, you have not seen a small town because it is so tiny, but I really cherish those memories. Um, and at that time, my parents were still together. So it was very kind of that storybook nuclear family uh, type upbringing. And it was so wonderful. I loved I love all of my memories looking back. Uh, and I feel like my mom, especially because she was a stay at home mom at the time, put in so much time to kind of create this kind of fairy tale sort of upbringing for myself and my brother and my sister. And then when I was 
uh, about 10 or 11, we moved to Moncton, which, uh, while not a big city by any means, is still a city. And uh, that was kind of, I guess, where our life changed a little bit. Um, uh, shortly after we moved to Moncton, my mom actually started to work. She worked in the school district, which was great. I mean, she loved it. And uh, life just changed. And um, But my mom and I were always really close. My mom, my mom was close with my brother and sister as well, for sure. But um, my mom and I were like two peas in a pod, really, really similar in personality. And a lot of people comment on that uh, to this day. It's funny. Even sometimes people that I didn't necessarily know, but that my mom knew uh, when I meet them, they'll mention to me, oh, my goodness, your mannerisms are so similar. So we always had a really special bond, even from the time I was super little. Like when when I was small, probably from about the age of six to 15 or so, my mom and I had a journal that we shared and it oh. sounds so cheesy, but we would write letters. Yeah. We would write each other letters back and forth night, like nightly letters um, just about our days. And I would ask her the big questions about the world. And I, and I would come up with bizarre things. I'd be like, why does your brain think? And just the <laughs> most bizarre, unusual questions. And she would say, I don't know, let's look that up in the encyclopedia tomorrow. So um, we always had a really special bond like that. And, oh. Yeah, we, we did a lot of different things together, I guess. And like I said, my brother and sister were really close with her, too. I would never uh, compare our relationships. It's just that my mom and I were so similar that uh, we aligned in a lot of uh, really unique ways like that. Hmm. That's so interesting. I've never actually heard of that, of like the, the mom and the daughter sharing a journal. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a tradition that when when I'm a mom one day, I want to do. I want to make that into a tradition. I loved it, and I couldn't find the journal for the longest time after she died, and I finally mm. found it a couple of years ago. So. Oh no way! So did you have you yeah. get, went through it and started to to read? Yeah, I was a weird kid, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> that's it's the issue, right? That's the issue of going back to your own journals. <laughs> you see how yeah, weird. Exactly. <laughs> That's funny. That's really cool. I think that's super cool to be able to look back and find that journal and then be able to see your mom's responses. And like looking mm -hmm. back, looking, reading it now, like were they good responses? Yeah, they were. Uh, she was honestly, I, I, I kind of feel bad for her now from my perspective of being an adult <laughs> trying to answer these crazy questions I was coming up with. Um, but I think they were good. I think they were good responses. Um, yeah, she, she just usually, if she didn't know an answer, she didn't lie. She would just tell me, uh, we would look it up together. And then one time one of our pets had died and I told her I wanted to have a big funeral and I like wanted to invite basically everybody we knew. I wrote at a guest list and she very kindly talked me down from inviting everybody and was like, maybe we can do it with just the family. So it's a little more intimate. <laughs> so she, she managed to kind of keep me on earth, which was good. <laughs> That's funny. So what pet died? Uh, that would have been one of our many, many cats who died. We had, we lost a lot of cats through the years. <laughs> Why was that? Just because you had so many? So just well, they... yeah, we had a ton. Like living out in the country, there was a lot of cats that weren't technically ours that I just adopted as my own, and uh, oh. they would get hit by cars. It was really kind of sad, but um, it was definitely also a little bit of something. I think we became a little desensitized to. Oh, because there's just so many. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, that's interesting. So interesting. Wow. So that's cool that you had that relationship with your mom. And and so like you guys were almost say like they're very similar. You guys were very similar compared to your other siblings. Did your mm -hmm. siblings ever get jealous of that as you as you're growing I up? I don't think 
I got jealous just because I think we all had like a very unique relationship with my mom. And I think that shows and also the way we've grieved her loss. That, um, like, for example, my brother, he's the baby of the family and the only boy. So he was always her baby boy. And I think he was so spoiled. He might disagree, <laughs> but like, he, he was the apple of her eye in that sense. So they had a really special relationship in that way. And then my sister being the oldest, she kind of got the most responsibility when we were little. And I think my mom sort of treated her more like an adult. So they, they had kind of a special relationship in the sense that uh, Courtney was the one to be kind of trusted with the big responsibilities. And she babysat my brother and I before we were allowed to stay home alone. So it, we all had, I guess, a very unique relationship with her. So uh, I don't think, I, I mean, I've never sensed any jealousy. So if they were jealous, they hit it very well. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. So that's interesting. So then you grew up. Right. And you went to Mount Allison University. Mm -hmm. And so did you go there because your mom went there or just because it was close? Uh, part of it was because my mom went there, definitely, which I probably wouldn't admit it, admit it at the time when I was 17 years old and graduating high school. I don't think I would have been willing to admit that, but I definitely think it was part of it. Um, when I was really little, I remember we would uh, go and visit the campus and there's a swan pond on campus so we would feed the swans and I was probably about five years old the first time I was like oh I want to go here one day uh, and that was because a lot of the time my mom would be telling stories about her experiences there and uh, she had friends from Mount Allison who I knew growing up so uh, there's there's just I mean I sound like a crazy person when it comes to school spirit but everyone at Mount A has like a lot of school spirit and I mean, I have friends that went to other schools that make fun of us and say that we're like a cult because it's there's just a there's a high level of enthusiasm. But um, I just sensed that from her and all of her friends, and then I wanted to experience it too. And then it's so funny because on the day that I moved into residence for my first year, and I was of course nervous. I was like a first year university student. You want to be cool and make a good first impression, and we um, got checked in and they gave me my room assignment and we walked up and my mom just started freaking out and she's like oh my god this is my room and it, I couldn't okay. believe it it was such a crazy twist of fate but the room I got assigned was actually the room she had stayed in when she was there and she told oh. so many people that were passing by in the hallway and I was just like could you stop talking to people <laughs> <laughs> wow that's funny um what yeah. are the odds of that happening I know it's crazy. It's it was such a crazy coincidence, and I was I was embarrassed because she was telling so many people. But now looking back in retrospect, I just think it was such a twist of fate. Yeah, that's that's an <laughs> that's a crazy one. Um, what uh, what did she take in university, and what did you take? Uh, she did history as her major and sociology as her minor, and I did English as my major and then history and social as a double minor. So very similar. <laughs> oh, awesome. Okay. And why did you choose English? Um, I've always loved to read and write. Like, I, I can't remember a time in my life when that wasn't my passion. When I was a little kid, if I had nothing to do, that's what I was doing. I was up in my bedroom writing stories or reading books. Uh, so I always knew that's what I wanted to study in university. I didn't know what I wanted to do necessarily afterwards with it, which isn't necessarily a great approach. Uh, <laughs> but I knew that I wanted to study literature just because it's what I've always loved, uh, and writing is such, I mean, reading too, but writing especially is such an important part of who I am to this day. I, I write almost every single day of my life. So 
It That's awesome. Natural, I guess. And and definitely mm-hmm. obviously inspired by your mom, you know, through the journaling process. What was do you have a favorite um childhood book? Oh my gosh, yes. Uh Anne of Green Gables is my all-time favorite childhood book. <laughs> Classic. Classic. <laughs> yeah. Didn't that that took place in the East Coast? Where did that take place? Yeah, exactly. Prince Edward oh, Island. That, yes. And where I grew up uh, in New Brunswick was like right next to the bridge. So or back oh, when I was really wow. little, it was the ferry. So yeah, we spent a lot of time over in PEI. That's pretty amazing in itself to actually to to uh, liter- it's a liter- literary classic. And it's so close to you <laughs> as a kid. Yeah. That'd be yeah, like, I think that's part yeah. of the magic for me, for sure. But yeah, I love Anne of Green Gables. Sean, have you ever read that book or that series? Unfortunately, not yet. Um, <laughs> it's on my list. I, I like to go back. I do do a lot of reading. I like a lot of children's stuff. And I did a lot of reading when I was a kid. Mine was Narnia, so which is very oh, fun. Oh, Narnia was good us. too. Those were yeah. Yeah, our bedtime stories. <laughs> My mom would yeah. read them after a night. Wow, that is that is. I recommend that that book series. I think it's it's it really ignited the flame of of why I love reading. And I actually I recently bought the set <laughs> again. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna reread them again. Oh. But um, yeah, it's something. It's it's amazing as as a child, as a kid, if you can kind of you know, find, find some books, find some, you know, interesting uh, series that, that you're into. Cause that can really change a lot of things for you. I think, Yeah. especially if definitely. like, I, especially if you're a loner, like I was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. Narnia too is one I recommend to everybody because it's just there. It's so powerful. It's more than just a story. Yeah. I don't think I've read yeah. that one either. Yeah. You'll like it. You'll like it, Joshua. It's, um, it's, it's got yeah it's so deep for a kid's book for a kid's mm-hmm. series it's got so many layers and and definitely adult themes as well but um it's it's well crafted and definitely one of my favorite fantasy series of all time uh so you mentioned hold on Sean. Mentioned, oh yeah I, go ahead i remember like it's funny we're talking about like books and stuff in childhood i remember berenstein bears that was a classic mm-hmm. <laughs> i always read <laughs> <laughs> then the other one, I remember vaguely reading about like there's like this closet, and then you go into and it's like a secret garden. It's probably called the secret garden. Secret <laughs> yeah, garden? yeah, that's a really good one. <laughs> exactly what it's called. <laughs> I remember reading in school, but I don't remember exactly what happened. But uh, yeah, it's interesting because like as a, as a child, I was more into sports. So like I said, like Berenstein Bears, like those earlier books, like I read that, and then I don't think I really read until it was like recommended like through uh high school or whatever um mm. but yeah so it's amazing that you know both of you guys love to read and i guess that helps with your writing as you move forward yeah. in life too yeah and Definitely. so what is it about anna green gables for you that you know draws you in i know my sister was really into that and then she watched the i think it's a tv series too about it she yeah it, honestly yeah. i think it, it is the character of Anne for me. It's funny. Um, there was a theater production done of Anne of Green Gables, I think, last year here. And I went to it with my fiancé and his family. And my sister-in-law-to-be looked at me. She's like, oh, my gosh, you are Anne of Green Gables. Oh. And she, I don't think, meant it as a compliment. But um, <laughs> I, I took it that way. I, I took it as a compliment. Um, but, like, the character of Anne, she's definitely really dramatic, which, I mean, it's obviously not a great personality trait, but it's one I can own up to. I'm a little bit dramatic at times. Um, but she's just super talkative. Uh, she's really into her own imagination. She's 
always just in her own head and that very much reminds me of me especially as a kid I and I mean I, I did have a lot of cousins and friends that I played with but I was totally fine to just sit on my own and entertain myself with my own imagination for hours on end as a kid uh, my mom always would tell stories of how she would send me out, outside to play and then she would look over and I'd have picked up all these twigs out of the garden and was just like making sticks talk to each other like I did not need toys I just needed my imagination so wow. yeah that's a great that's a great way to say it that was pretty much my childhood <laughs> I think that was that was you know my gateway into a different world you know you go into your bedroom and you know you just do your regular stuff but then you open up a book and then you're transported into a whole new adventure and I think when, because I wasn't, I didn't go out a lot as a kid or my parents were really protective, but <laughs> because they were like that. So I spent a lot of time kind of inside. That's where kind of reading became my gateway into the outside world. And so, ah, especially totally you talk about, yeah, you talk about a series like Narnia, which is literally about escaping real <laughs> world. So, I, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing that you had that upbringing and, and you can tell um, it, it all ties in, not just with your mom, but like with kind of the program that you went through and what you're doing now as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So I know you mentioned to me uh, just through our emails that your parents actually, their marriage ended after 25 years. And I'm just curious what that was like for you uh, having to go through that. Yeah, that was definitely one of the hardest things I've ever gone through. And I think divorce is really hard on kids, whatever age it happens. Um, but oftentimes it's the right decision. And I do believe it was the right decision for my parents as well. Um, but I was 21 years old and it felt like my entire life had been a lie because everything I'd always known had been my parents together and us as a family together. We were a nuclear family unit and uh, just losing that felt like the loss of my entire history. And that's something I still struggle with to this day. And I've gone to a lot of therapy to work out, work through it. But um, it was it was really, really hard. And it was especially hard for my mom, because obviously it, it wasn't my mom's decision. It was my dad's decision. And my mom obviously really struggled with that. And for me, I I just remember feeling so helpless because there was nothing I could do and I didn't want my mom to be hurting and I didn't want to be hurting. And uh, it, it just caused a lot of strife within the family too, because my sister stopped talking to my dad. Um, my brother, obviously him, he and my dad are still very, very close. So then uh, within our own sibling relationships, there's just tension in terms of how we experienced the separation so differently, each, all three of us. So it it was really hard. And to this day, I still do struggle with the idea of wondering what parts of my upbringing that I, there may, there, there's so many memories that I cherish. And I wonder about what parts of it uh, were maybe not as real or true or authentic as I thought because of what was going behind this, going on behind the scenes that I as a child wasn't privy to. Uh, so that's definitely the part of it that, that's the hardest. I'm obviously several years removed now and uh, a lot of healing has happened which is really good but at the time it was it was absolutely awful I just it was it was at that point in my life the absolute hardest thing I had ever gone through yeah it's interesting with divorce like I went through that myself actually with uh, my mom and dad and it's interesting how say like siblings it it doesn't just like separate the parents because then the siblings get involved and almost separates and breaks some of the bonds 
that were formed there too. And that's a sad thing. So like, there's so much destruction from that. And so like for you, like, and you, you said like you're with your mom and you, or you're seeing your mom, was it weird? It was like only two years later than she died. Like, was that a very hard thing to process? Like from one thing to the next? Yeah, uh, it definitely was. And I think that's part of what has been most heartbreaking about my mom's death is that she she went through the separation, which was the hardest thing she'd gone through ever in her life. And she was she was so heartbroken. And it, it took a lot of work for her to be able to feel happy again. And um, then the person she was with when she died was actually her new boyfriend. And she had finally found this new guy who was so great. And they were like, she was just like, she was like a teenage girl, so over the moon in love. And it was so nice because she was finally happy again after a period of such darkness. And it was like this release that had finally come and then she died. And that's mm. what has always really bothered me is that it was the worst period of, of our life at that point. And then it had finally lifted, the cloud had lifted and then she died. And it was like, Oh, great. <laughs> that lasted long. Mm. And so how'd she die? She died in a motorcycle accident, which is absolutely crazy because if a year before her death, you would have told me she'd be on the back of a motorcycle, I would have told you you were crazy. <laughs> but um, she met this guy who is such a wonderful person. He's still an important part of my life. Uh, and that was his hobby. Him and his friends had motorcycles. And she told me she was going to go ride on the back of his motorcycle. I was like, okay, sure. I didn't believe her. I thought she would chicken out. Uh, but she did, and she loved it. And she was so they they had met the summer prior to her dying. I think they met in like August or September. So she only got a chance to go out on it a couple of times before the weather turned. And so she was so excited for the spring. And uh, then it was May third that the accident happened, and it was the first sunny day. So they went out, and that's when she died. So what exactly happened? Did like was she riding it, or she just on the back? Okay. She was on the back of it and um, the back tire blew out and they both flew off and uh, uh, my mom was really small so she flew off very far and um, she died on impact from what the doctors explained basically when her head hit and she was wearing a helmet. I got that question a lot from people which I thought was silly. Of course she was wearing a helmet um, but the impact was hard enough that uh, basically as soon as her head hit, her brain started filling with blood. And I am not a medical person, so I know that's probably not a very good explanation, but it's how they broke it down for me. Wow. What a like traumatic way to go. Yeah. And, and he survived. So like, what was like- He did, yeah. What was that like for him? Because I know you probably talked about his grief with him. Was it, yeah. did he ever have guilt and stuff? like? Yeah, he and I. This wasn't his first tragic loss. Um, when I was in high school, I actually went to high school with his son, who was a year younger than me. And so, when we were in high school, I was in grade twelve, and his son would have been in grade eleven at the time. His son died uh, along with three other boys in a really awful car accident. So he had gone through that tragedy, and um, so this was his second really tragic death and tragic loss that he'd uh, experienced. And I've talked to him a lot about that and like how the different losses he's experienced in his life have um, really manifested in different ways. And I've always encouraged him to not feel guilt because at the end of the day, life is life, accidents happen. And um, But he, he's struggled with it for sure. And 
but I mean, he, he's a really big part of my life to this day. We talk all the time and, um, but yeah, I, I don't think there's ever anything I'll be able to say that will ease all of that kind of pain for him that he carries, but I, I wish there was. And I'm curious since like you said, the, the divorce broke a lot of things apart. Did the, like the, her death bring people closer together? Or no? Not really. Yeah, like honestly, after my mom's death, like my dad, the good thing was is that uh, whenever, because I was the first person to the hospital that day, and I really didn't know what to do because obviously I was 23 years old and had never experienced anything like this before. So I honestly, I didn't even know where to go when I got to the hospital. Um, but I did call my dad and he came to the hospital, which was really good. And even though it was awkward because when all of my other family started arriving, it, it's just uncomfortable. Uh, it was it it was good that he was there. It was the right thing. And but then after that, it took a while I think before relationships started to mend. And my dad and I are good now, fortunately, which I'm really grateful for. But uh, yeah, at the time, it was just it was too awkward for there to be really any healing. I think happening at that time. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, sometimes it can, right? Sometimes people just like drop like everything and it just mends like right there but that's good i'm glad you're you have a relationship with your father again and can learn some maybe some new stories about your mom um, mm -hmm. and that relationship that you didn't really know before i'm curious because you're saying how you're gonna you moved out soon after to ontario was that the plan the whole time or did her death almost be was that the catalyst for you to sort of say i'm out of here her death escalated the plan. Um, the plan was always for me to move to Ontario because uh, my now fiance, uh, then at the, at the time he was my boyfriend, he's from Ontario originally. So he was finishing up his uh, degree at the time. And we always, our intention was that he was going to come back to Ontario after he finished school and I would probably follow him out. Several months later, uh, I would take some time to try to find a job first. Uh, it, it wasn't going to be kind of such an immediate thing. But then uh, when my mom died and my mom and I were living in the house and it was just the two of us and I was in no position to take over a house. So I was like, hmm, I don't know what I'm going to do here. Uh, and fortunately, his parents, my boyfriend's parents, uh, they said, hey, does Heather want to come stay with us for a while? Like, she's welcome as long as you guys want. Um, and then Mac and I talked it over, and it, we figured it was better than no plan at all. And, I mean, it all worked out really well. I had no idea what it – I feel like I was just kind of walking around, go, going with the flow. I really don't know that I was fully conscious of the decisions I was making, but it did work out really, really well. And um, his parents actually own a company, and that's who I still work for to this day. But when I came out, I was living with them for a little while, and um, a position opened up with their company, and they asked if I was interested in applying. I was like, sure. <laughs> so it, it worked out really well because now I, I work for them, and I love what I do. So I guess fate was on my side because I don't know that I was conscious of any of the decisions I was making. <laughs> wow. And to have all these things uh, happen at, at a young age. You know, these are the heavy things that you're kind of going through and telling us about, you know, having your mom die of something so random and traumatic, uh, you know, having having to make these adult decisions and then moving to, you know, different province and setting up and trusting, you know, new new set series of people. Do you do you go back now and what's it like going back? Yeah, I go back relatively frequently. Um 
I, not as much as I'd like, but uh, it's it, it's different because I love going back to New Brunswick and a lot of my friends are still there. Most of my family is, but it, it's like the old saying, you can never go home again. And it really is true. It's not the same because my childhood home is no longer ours. The house was sold. So now I stay at my grandparents, which is lovely. I mean, they're one, they love having us, but it's different. And it, it, I'm so jealous of my friends when they say they're going to their parents' house for Christmas or something and they're literally going to like their childhood home and they get to sleep in their old bedroom and wake up and their mom's made them breakfast or their dad's out shoveling the driveway or whatever it may be just because I don't have that anymore and the life that I had is completely gone. It's it, It's like I'm visiting a life that is no longer mine, I guess. So as much as it's really nice and I love seeing all the people and my aunts and uncles and I are all super close. So I, I love catching up with them as well. But it's just, it's like I'm visiting a friend almost. It's not like I'm visiting myself, which sounds mm-hmm. so bizarre, but it, it, it's just, a, there's a major disconnect between who I am now and the life I live now and my life before my mom died. Do you feel that you're starting to get I guess more of a connection with where you are now in Ontario with, with your, with your fiance and his family. Is that becoming home now? Yeah. Which is, which which is interesting because when I first moved to Ontario, I was adamant that I was like never going to consider Ontario home. I was like, I'm a maritimer through and through, which I still am. I still have a lot of maritime pride, but I came out with an attitude that I was never going to consider Ontario home um, just, I think it was a little bit of, there was a chip on my shoulder for sure about it. But in the past couple of years, that's definitely shifted. And now I just feel really lucky because I feel like I have two places that are home. Um, yeah. But I I love Coburg and we, we bought our first house together um, over a year ago now, I guess. Yeah, over a year ago. And so it's like, I actually have a real home. And um, it, so, yeah, it, it's really it's been an interesting shift because it used to be like, I would feel so homesick all the time for the first couple of years. And now mm-hmm. I don't have that feeling of homesick anymore because I really do feel at home where I am. So I, I, I do feel like I have two homes in that sense. That's amazing. And uh, definitely happy that you have that going on in your life now, because it is, again, places are special and, you know, mm-hmm. where you grew up is special or you're born is special, where you, make your home where you know and so it's tough i've from someone who's moved around a lot i've moved around a lot myself and uh it things can get emotional things can get Hmm. it's very interesting my parents um they spent uh, i was born and raised in st Catharines, ontario small place near niagara falls and they recently um, moved to edmonton uh, to live with my brother a couple months ago and i never thought i'd get kind of emotional about it but when they left, I, I, um, it's weird. I, I got really sentimental and it just, I felt like, okay, I don't have a home base anymore. I think that's the thing. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I don't have that, that central place in St. Catharines, you know, I'm, I'm kind of yeah. in this province alone. So I, um, I'm, I'm, I get what you're saying and I'm glad that you kind of get that home now a little bit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's weird when you no longer have a, the home base of your parents, like you, it, you, that's gone. And all of a sudden you're like, it's like, you're the official, I guess, main home at that point. <laughs> and so with all these like changes that you're going through, I'm guessing 
it your grief was might have been a little different than some others who have went through something uh similar of losing a parent so like for you like how did you mention like faith therapy and plenty of writing so could you go through like like how that helped you and maybe what the challenges that you faced were yeah definitely i think the first thing like for me like i i was raised in a church so i i the first thing i did was pray I went as soon as I was, at, I was as soon as I was at the hospital I was praying and I was bargaining and I was trying to get God to do whatever he could for me and I guess those prayers went unanswered so which is that's fine that's okay what, <laughs> but um, what were you praying for I was well because when I first arrived at the hospital I had no idea what was going to happen because at that point um, I just knew my mom had been hurt and was on her way there. I honestly assumed she was going to arrive and be fine. So my prayers were just that she was going to arrive and be fine. Or And then as soon as I got wind that it was more serious than I'd assumed, I just prayed that they would do a surgery and it would be fine. Um, I was just praying for solutions and um, I, I was bargaining basically anything I could think of in my life that I would give up. <laughs> but um <laughs> And then I got the news and I, that's when I realized, okay, well, when, when the doctor said that she was brain dead and I mean, I had no idea what that meant. I had to get him to explain it. So, but like something people have often asked me is about whether that shook my faith. And it really didn't for me just because I've never believed in a God that's transactional. Like I don't believe in the idea of you're a really good person and you get this as a reward. I, I was raised more of the, belief that you do your best to be a good person because it's the right thing to do and it's not because you get a godly reward for it so my faith wasn't shaken by the fact that those prayers went 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 unanswered more what my faith gave me was just a sense of comfort and believing that my mom was in heaven and that one day I will see her again there um so for me it, that's always just been the greatest I don't, I don't want to say the greatest source of comfort, but one of the greatest sources of comfort for me is just believing that um, it didn't all end the moment that she hit the pavement, that there is more to this story than uh, that single day, May 3rd, wasn't the end of it all. So for me, that's what I've always kind of gone back on when it comes to my faith. Then as for therapy, that is particularly interesting just because I was really reluctant to go to therapy at first. Um, I had a few friends gently mention to me that it might be a good idea, but I, I don't know why I was so reluctant because I definitely had no judgment towards others I'd known who had gone because a lot of my loved ones and friends had attended therapy before and it, I never thought anything badly of it. But I, I think I just had an idea in my head that it wasn't for me or that I was going to be too uncomfortable. But finally, about a year after my mom's death, uh, I was getting terrible, terrible migraines, and I had never had migraines before. And I went to the doctor, and they told me there was nothing wrong with me physically. Um, and we got to talking, and I explained that my mom had died, and I was wondering if it could just be stress-related. And <laughs> the doctor looked at me, and she was like, uh, yeah, uh, that's 100% probably it. So at that point, I realized if my uh, grief was manifesting itself in a physical way, it was probably time to take care of the emotional side of it. So I checked myself into my first therapy appointment, which ended up being 
such an incredible experience. And I, I love therapy now. I go to therapy all the time and I highly recommend it to everybody. It's like one of my Just hobbies. Just for fun. Just for fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it's it's it, it sounds so funny because I know a lot of people are so resistant to going and I'm just like, oh my goodness, if I could go back in time and make my first appointment sooner, I would. It's, it, I mean, you get to sit there and talk about yourself for an hour. And like, I mean, I don't know. I like doing that. <laughs> but yeah. That. How did you choose a therapist? Like, because I can see that being a difficult process. In Honestly, it it wasn't really like my choice. I emailed as many therapy therapist office, offices as I could, and they all had crazy long waiting lists, except for one was able to take me in that week. So that's uh, how it got chosen. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, it, yeah, I mean, it worked out really well because the first therapist I was with, um, I've gone to a couple of other therapists now. Um, as well, but um, she was so great, and especially because I was so nervous going into that first session, she really eased my nerves and talked me off the edge of, I was just so anxious coming in, I was practically shaking, so she talked me down so that I could actually be comfortable enough to engage in therapy, um, because it's pretty useless if you're not able to speak. Yeah, That's amazing, it's amazing you took that, you had the courage to make that leap, because a lot of people, you're right, there's there's just uncomfortableness of almost bearing your soul to a stranger. And mm -hmm. so, but you said like, it can help. It can really help. So, and you don't have to be in the depths of depression. Like you could just be trying to work on some things that they can give you some tools for and to bounce some ideas off of. So I think that's great. And I'm glad you're, you're such a, you know, uh, <laughs> you love it so much. <laughs> and you're, you're, so you're <laughs> see, yeah, it seems like you're just trying out other therapists just for fun to see what they're, what they're like. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. And would you ever be that yourself, you think, as you move forward? It's funny. My fiance actually said to me once, he's like, I feel like you'd be a good therapist. Um, mm -hmm. But I don't, I mean, I don't think that I would just because, and it's not that I wouldn't, I think I would actually like it. I just don't think I would like going through the training for it, to be honest, the schooling part of it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I, I like to consider myself an informal therapist of all of my friends. <laughs> that's okay, that's good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's funny. And so how was writing? So writing was such a big part of your whole life. And so did you, like, how were you able to use that as a tool to help heal? For At first, one of the things actually my initial therapist recommended to me was to keep a journal and just write down memories as they come, which I'm so grateful for. And anyone I know who goes through a loss, I make the same recommendation to, just because it, it, memories are so fleeting they they can fade or you can misremember things so if you write them down it's so nice to look through them so I started writing kind of the, my memories into a journal as a story uh, which was really great for me and it was definitely healing in a lot of ways because it was just a way of honoring my mom's memory and then um, a little while after that uh, I decided to write a personal essay that would be like a letter to the recipients of my mom's organs because we did organ donation when she died and I had, I, I never reached out to them actually directly. And that's on my, my to-do list is one day I do want to actually write a real letter because you can do it through the organ donation society or whatever they're called. Uh, but there's a lot of rules as to what you can say and what you can't say. And at the time of writing this piece, I was not really interested in following those rules. So I was like, I'm not going to do the real one. I'm just going to do a pretend letter and write what I could say if I could say whatever I wanted. 
so I wrote that and it got uh, published by Exogene and then it actually ended up getting uh, picked up by Time and published on their website as well, which was really cool. And it was just an open letter. If I could write whatever I wanted to the recipients of my mom's organs, here would, here's what I would say. And that got a lot of positive feedback, which was really amazing. Um, I had people reaching out to me from all over North America. They like would find me on LinkedIn or on Facebook and just send me messages saying um, that they had been a recipient of an organ donation uh, however many years ago. And they've never been contacted by their organ donor family, but um, they read my story. And it was just like, it, so it was really cool. We were able to kind of connect with one another and exchange stories. And I probably had about 20 different people reach out to me, which was kind of amazing to see how writing is able to um, not only be a healing experience for me, but it was able to be a healing experience for all those people who uh, have gone through something similar on the opposite end of the experience uh, and how, it, how, how that impact was felt by them. So it, yeah, that was really cool for me. And then after that, I have just kind of been writing here and there and I've had a few things um, just like kind of picked up and published by different blogs. And then this year I started my own blog because I have so many doc, Microsoft Word documents saved on my desktop of just things I've written about my own experiences with grief and with anxiety and mental health. And I figured it's time for me to kind of put those out there because it's something that I personally love reading from other people. So I, I like the idea of sharing it with other people as well. Yeah, that's so cool. It's so amazing that you wrote something and then it got picked up, right? Like, and you realize how your words and your experiences can actually help other people. And so, yeah, maybe being a therapist yourself isn't the way to go, but it seems like you know how to write to people to move them and to, to think about things in a different way or to feel validated in some of the concerns they have. So, yeah, I'm glad you started that blog because you said like you have a lot of talent there. I even went to school for English and to be able to express more about your grief to the world you know, like, that's a beautiful thing. It can only probably help you in the process, too. Thank you. Yeah, that's kind of the way I see it. It's healing for me. And I like to think it can help other people as well at the same time. Mm. I also like, too, that you have Instagram also. And mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of Instagram. <laughs> and I love how, because um, we actually got connected through Instagram. Uh, I think yeah. you had a dream or something. And that's how we sort of, mm -hmm. uh, we, we connected. And so is it, is it as good for you to, to write about your, your loss through your Instagram? Like, does that feel, does that help also? It does, except for that Instagram has a limit on how many lines your caption can be. And I'm an overwriter. <laughs> so I tend to go over that and then I have to make it shorter and condense it. But yeah, I, lo I love Instagram, um, particularly because one, I get to share a photo and whatever my thought that day may be. And also then the fact that um, through hashtags, you connect with so many people, which is really cool. I have met so many people through Instagram that have uh, gone through loss and we just share our stories with each other. and. It, it it kind of is it's it's amazing to see how technology is able to help us form those kinds of connections yeah no it definitely is and i really i like that that method and i kind of like that it's you can't write too much <laughs> because at the end of the day like there's so many stories that are on your feed and so it's it, i actually prefer the shorter ones and and I like the pictures, like the picture gives it away, you know, it's like what you're really yeah. talking about. And then like, you're like, oh, like, this is interesting. What does this mean? Or what, what's going on here? And then, you, yeah, you definitely, you get into it. But that's kind of cool how 
um, you have to shorten it. And that's your own skill, right? Like you can write, there's yeah. different ways to write. And that's just like sharpening that skill and getting your point across a little bit earlier. So I remember it was, I think it was like the, what's your, what's your grief? Or yeah. You, the what's your grief what's your, photo challenge. Yeah. You did every so day, didn't you? I did almost, <laughs> I think I missed one day, but yeah, I, I did get almost every single day in. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, she's really doing this challenge for me. <laughs> Yeah, I'm committed. <laughs> that's funny. I think that's great. And I think the more people can talk about their grief online, especially through Instagram, I think it's an amazing thing to raise awareness on what's going on in people's lives. Because a lot of times people post, you know, the great dinners they have or the great parties they're at um, or the great selfie they, that they see themselves yeah. in the mirror as, you know, but you're telling some other stuff about, you know, some of the heartaches, some of the challenges that you're going through. And, and I feel like, People need that too. And so I'm really happy to yeah. see that you're posting about that. Thank you. And so let's uh, talk about grief dreams since you did make a post on grief dreams. Um, <laughs> what do you remember the first dream you had of your mom? I do. Yeah. And my first, I feel like I should give like a trigger warning because it's, it was actually so disturbing. Um, my first grief dream that I had of my mom was the week of her death. And I, in, in the dream, what I, I woke up and I went upstairs to where the bath because I was sleeping downstairs in my in my dream. I want to express this is not real. So I woke up in my dream and I went upstairs to where the bathroom was and my mom was in the bathtub and she had slit her wrists, which is not how my mom died. My mom did not die by suicide, uh, which is an absolutely tragic way to go. And it was the most bizarre thing, though. And in my dream, I started yelling at her being like, why did you do this? Why did you do this? Why did you do this? And then I woke up. And I was like, wow, that was extremely dark. Why would my brain come up with that? Uh, what's wrong with me, essentially? And I told a bunch of my friends about it. And they all, they all were like, I think maybe you should talk to a therapist about this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was my first dream of her. And it was it was not pleasant. It was awful. Wow. And I at that point, I was like, I hope I never have a dream about her again. And fortunately, since then, they have changed. What did you, like, how have you looked at that since like when looking back, I, like, what do you see that as meaning? I think, yeah, like I honestly, a big part of it was definitely because it was the week of the death and I was, I was just completely so, I, I was out of my own mind. I, like I, mm. I was functioning because I had to, I had to plan a funeral, but um, I was not functioning in the sense that my mind and my thoughts were so disconnected. Uh, so I think a big part of it was a reflection of the fact that my brain was clearly just trying to figure everything out uh, around me because it, when I was awake, I was refusing to do that uh, actual kind of mental work to piece things together. Uh, mm. So I think that was my subconscious mind trying to do some healing on its own. I think another part of it too was kind of thinking of, I guess like all the pain my mom had gone through with the separation with my dad. Like I, I think I probably was kind of reflecting that into it a little bit. I'm not really sure. And it it was awful. And like, I mean, I mean, everybody's been impacted by suicide, I think. And it, so it's, it was awful because then I woke up and I was thinking of people I know that have been impacted by suicide. And I, I was just like, why? Did, I, I felt guilty thinking that like my mind would try to like twist that into something. And, and then I had to remember myself, remind myself, well, it was your subconscious. You don't have control over that. But there was a, a level of guilt I felt too, thinking that I was trying to turn our tragedy in my head into something it wasn't. And yeah, I, I, that was, it was awful. It was such a morbid dream. And I, I mean, I, I, to this day, I don't have a clear cut answer why that's where my brain went. I just have a, 
I guess, a theory that it was really my brain trying to sort out some of the some of the thoughts that I was apparently refusing to process on my own during my waking hours. Yeah, it's definitely, and it's, I think it's great to talk about some of the negative dreams people do have because you're not alone. And it can really mm-hmm. cause a lot of discomfort along the journey for many reasons. So I think it's yeah. great to just ha- like air it out and and say, hey, like this is what happened to me. I'm curious because, you know, like that that image itself and then like you asking the why to her and, and whatnot. It seems like, you know, if if I was looking at that, I would say like it's, there's some blame in there, you know. And so I don't know if you ever had those emotions in the beginning of her being on the motorcycle, like that, like sort of like those unconscious, like why did you go on the yeah. motorcycle kind of thing? And like yeah. it's knowing that it's dangerous, knowing right, like knowing like you're not supposed to be like your mom, you're not supposed to go on, you shouldn't have been on kind of thing. And so there's that. Yeah. Bit- well, the day of her death, I had like tried to get her not to go not because I thought oh. anything bad was gonna happen yeah. yeah I didn't think anything bad was gonna happen I wasn't scared of them getting into an accident I was just bored and home alone and I was like why don't you hang out with me for the day <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to like go to the mall or something probably dumb and um, I was really uh, annoyed at her I was like why are you ditching me um, mm-hmm. and she was like sorry gotta go <laughs> um, so yeah that was definitely part of it for sure I think uh, that morning I had really like, like kind of giving her a hard time about it mm. yeah it's amazing to look back and to try to try to figure out like how those emotions represented some of the emotions you were going through at the time because that's really you know really what it is right like it's just you're trying to process some of the emotion all the emotions and you had so many at that time mm-hmm. and it's just yeah. like sometimes you capture these crazy images like that. And it's just, you know, if you can just sit back and reflect on like how, what's going on in your waking life, it can sort of release that and to say, okay, yeah, you know, I'm not going crazy. Uh, you know, like yeah. I'm not, you know, I shouldn't feel guilty or anything like that. It's just like, okay, this is what I'm going through, you know, and yeah. to take, take it seriously. And that's the basically exactly. what you did, being a therapist and stuff. Yeah. And so that was your only negative dream. That's what you're saying? Yeah, I think that's the only negative one I've had. I've had a number where, um, like, we've I've, I've just been somewhere and I've seen her and, like, she sees me and we make eye contact and then we just, like, kind of run to each other and start hugging and start sobbing because we're like, oh, I miss you so much. I miss you so much. And so, like, we're crying, but I wouldn't consider it negative because it's, like, happy tears. Uh-huh. Um, and then I usually wake up crying which is kind of sad but it's it's still nice because like i i've seen her and it's like a little reunion and um Mm. yeah my dreams now i I don't have them very often anymore um but when i do there it it feels like i i've got to see her and i get to hear her voice and see her actually speak not just standing still in a photo which is really nice wow that is nice you know like and to have those moments to have those because those are the things you long for you know, just yeah. like seeing her and seeing her smile and, you know, and hearing her. Because I think that like for me, I don't know for you, but one of the mem- one of the things that after my dad died, I really was going through a hard time on was that I never first I was going to lose all my memories, which is great how you suggest writing them down. <laughs> then the other one was that I wasn't going to hear him anymore. Yeah. I'm going to forget what he sounded like. And mm-hmm. so wh- what I love about some of these dreams is that you can hear them and so you're not forgetting what they sound like yeah and it's kind of interesting because it just shows how your subconscious stores the memory of their voice because sometimes when I'm awake I'll just close my eyes and try to for like will it I'll try to force myself (laughs) to hear her voice and I can't will it like I 
if, if I hear a recording of it or see a video, of course I recognize her voice then, but I can't force it in my own waking mind. But at nighttime, if I'm asleep, my subconscious mind has no problem apparently bringing it up, which is really cool. But yeah, I, I relate to that. I, that's always been a fear of mine is kind of losing those memories. And so have you ever asked your siblings or your father um, or I guess her boyfriend if they've ever had any dreams of her? Um, my brother doesn't really talk a lot about it, to be honest. So uh, I don't think that's a conversation he'd be thrilled if I brought up, to be honest. Um, my sister has had a dream of her, though. It was kind of like more of a happy one where she saw her and she basically told my sister, hey, I'm okay. And um, told her that she loved all three of us sort of thing, which is kind of cool. So, And I know that my aunts and uncles, a few of them have had dreams where they've seen her in random places. And so... Yeah, it, it, I, I love when it, whenever somebody has a dream about her, like I love if they message me and tell me about it because it's just kind of like, like oh, she's, I know it's not really here, her. I know it's a subconscious, like someone's conjured it, conjured it up in their subconscious, but even still it feels like it's, it feels like she's saying hello in a way. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. That's really cool. And I'm, I'm glad you are enjoying these, these new types of dreams uh, that you're having. That's pretty sweet. And so, Sean, um, actually, the other thing I want to say is when you see her in the dream, is she wearing anything unique or is it the same stuff she would always wear? Just the same stuff she would always wear. My mom, um, it's so funny. So my mom worked in um, uh, an elementary school, a K-8 school. And when she passed away, a bunch of the kids from her school, they all were given like little cards. They could write kind of a note to the family in. And I would say probably like 80% of the notes were about her clothing. Like girls just being like, you were always dressed so stylishly, which is hilarious. I'm sure my mom would love that she was remembered that way, actually. She'd be like, see, they thought I was stylish. Um, so yeah, she, she, in my dreams, it's never anything out of the ordinary, but it's always just kind of like whatever trendy, like jeans and cute tops type of thing, because that was definitely very much her style. Wow, that's incredible. And just hearing you talk about your mom, uh, you can really tell that obviously there's a lot of love there and she was just a special character, special person. Um, Want to wrap up with one last question we love to ask everybody on this show. And that is uh, if you could have a dream of your mom tonight, create one. What would you want to have it? How would you want to, <laughs> how would you want to create it essentially? I love that question. So I'm getting married this May. So, and my mom's obviously not going to be there. So I think if I could have any dream, I would like to have a dream where she was at my wedding because that's going to be a really hard day for me. That's um, so cool. The other one, too, that I think about, though, a lot because something that I've always really struggled with since her death is knowing that when I have kids one day, my mom won't get to be a grandmother because, like, she would have been an amazing grandma. Uh, so I also think I would like to have a dream where she was, like, like, I like the idea of her rocking my babies up in heaven right now, just waiting to send them down to me one day. So I would like to have a dream where she... Uh, is with my future kids or something like that and tells me she's taking care of them until uh, until it's my turn to have them here on earth so either my wedding day or the future kids day i guess because those are two things that are coming <laughs> in my future ideally that um she won't get to be a part of and that that's i think part of what's part of what i still do struggle with is knowing those life events that she won't be able to be here for yeah absolutely i mean those that's a special one right like Mm -hmm. uh, we actually had a guest on um, who uh, her, they had eloped her and her fiance 
so and then her dad passed so she actually one of the dreams she wanted to have no actually she she did have a dream she actually had a grief dream of her father coming back walking her down the aisle uh which blew our minds so i'm i I think we can do that i think we can recreate (laughs) this scenario maybe we can combine the two and have like your mom with your future kids at the wedding yeah that would be awesome (laughs) that would be ideal that's cool. And would you want it to be at like the same place that you're going to be married at? Or would it be a different like a different I place? I think so. Um, the church that we're getting married at is actually the church that like I grew up going to. And it's where we had her funeral. And it's actually where she was married. My grandparents were married there. So it is a really special place um, to me and to my whole family. We're actually doing the wedding back in New Brunswick. So, uh, yeah, I think it would actually be kind of cool to have it in that place because, you know, when we were there for her funeral, I, 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 that was one thing I kind of felt was that because she, my mom had gone to Sunday school there as a little kid, so it was a part of her, her history too. Hmm. Seems like you, you thought a lot about this wedding. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm three, month, three and a half months out. It's been a lot. Of, a lot of my time has gone towards it. <laughs> That's cool. I think it's great that you're putting a new memory into one that was really hard since her funeral. Mm-hmm. And now you're going to be putting on top another memory that really embodies her, you know, not being there, yeah. but also a happy time of how far you've come along the way and what she's sort of raised you to become, which is a beautiful mm-hmm. thing in itself. So like it has everything like right there yeah. and just in the building. Yeah. And I think like for me too, when we, when we chose our wedding date, it's May 18th. Um, the anniversary of my mom's death is May 3rd and um, officially May 4th, just because the way they declare when you're ba- brain dead, it does take time, but May 3rd, but then officially May 4th. And then there's Mother's Day, usually like a week later. So the month of May is really hard for me. Um, mm-hmm. But then when we chose a wedding date, I was like, May 18th, I kind of like that because I want something good in May. So it, it gives me something good in that month that tends to be kind of a a tough one for me so I'm really looking forward to actually kind of creating new memories finding ways to make her a part of the day even though she won't be there yeah it's cool and you can really see your storytelling in the sense of setting things up for specific like in a specific way where like some <laughs> some women would be like I'll, I'll get married any day <laughs> Just yeah. me. Oh. you're like no let's actually think about this like what would be a good story and what would really like do well for <laughs> yeah, me, that's me. Yeah. I think about everything <laughs> <laughs> that's funny well it's great your husband is or your future husband is is willing to to go with this story that you're you know writing as you go which is oh, really yeah, exciting great. yeah that's amazing yeah. if he has a choice <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> um it was it, yeah this has been an amazing conversation and you just um you I admire you because your your level of self analysis is is deep. Like <laughs> you go, you, you go levels, <laughs> and uh, I really appreciate that because you know, as a fellow reader, as a fellow thinker, as a fellow uh, maybe writer, if you will, but a lone person who's kind of developed that way. Um, but you really have, and then you've grabbed these tools that have you, and then you've used them to their full extent. Whether it's you know, even your faith therapy. Um, and we're talking about writing, obviously, but you, you've developed these mm. tools and, and you use them in a way that's enriching to your life. And then to hear you talk about even even what we just talked about, your wedding, you know, you're honoring your mom in so many different ways. And, and I think that's 
you know, you're not shying away from obviously her passing and what happened to her, but you're mm-hmm. embracing, you're telling your story moving forward. Uh, I think that's that's a richness, you know, and I think that's that's it's really at the heart of life, really. I think you know, so it was a real pleasure to kind of hear that, uh, especially. Thank you again. You are a great storyteller, and the way you do talk about your uh, journey is 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 inspirational. Thank you. That is so nice. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I can. I can top that. <laughs> sure, you can. <laughs> yeah, so y'all do say same thing. Just like you know, thank you so much for just sharing your story, and speaking in such a beautiful way, and continue doing the stuff that you're doing in life with the Instagram and writing a blog post and just sharing your stories. I think there's there's people who are just better at telling their stories than others, and that's just a skill. And you're one of those people. So I can't wait to continue to hear how your story's developed and how you continue to write this journey that you on that you're on. I'm curious, so where can people find you if they wanna search your your Instagram feed or they wanna hear your blog posts? Like where uh can you shout out your link? Yeah. Uh, so my Instagram is at storms and silver linings. Uh, and in that is the link to my blog, but it's uh storms and silver linings dot home dot blog. So storms and silver linings is basically the easy go-to. Nice. And so I know what your storm was. What was your silver lining? Um, so it's actually funny. I always say that I think a lot of the things that I've gone through with grief have brought out some of the qualities in me that I consider to be what makes me who I am, like in a lot of good ways. Uh, so for me, it, that's I think I'm a way more compassionate person. I'm definitely more intuitive. Uh, I think I'm a, I think I have a bigger heart than I ever did before. So yeah, my grief has been awful to go through in a lot of ways, but at the same time, I, I'm not sure that I would change the story of my life because I've become a better person for it. Wow. That's beautiful. Wow. Uh, although if I could bring my mom back, I would just to be clear, (laughs) 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 but I can't, so (laughs) Just. No, it's amazing you you could get there. And once again, it, like you're showcasing the the beautiful work of writing and of going to therapy and really working on those emotions and like saying like grief doesn't need to destroy you. It can bring out some qualities that weren't there before. So Absolutely. I think it's that's great. Thank you, and thank you guys so much for the podcast. It's such a good listen. I've recommended it to a couple of people, and I will keep doing so because it really is um, an amazing topic that I don't think people really talk about all that much. So, thank you for doing what you guys do. Well, guests like you make it easy, and uh, that's pretty much. Uh, it's just uh, it's really not a, a hard thing to do when you have such entertaining and, and just enriching uh, interviews, and we have a lot of them, and, and that's the basis of it. So mm-hmm. you should get into podcasting. I would love that one day. On the to-do list. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, like I'm just, I said like you love to write and we love to, I guess, you know, speak and interview and hear stories. And for us too, it's like raising awareness, not on, not just not just on the grief journey, but also grief dreams because it's such a big part of my life growing up and then doing the research. It just needs, like if people just, you know, we wish as, you know, we move forward is people just keep ask the questions because a lot of these experiences go hidden in people's lives. And some of them, as you had, were horrendous and mm. really disturbing and children can have them too, right? And that's like, what yeah. do you do with that? And then other people can have these very lovely, moving, profound dreams that change mm-hmm. their life too. It's just like, it's part of our lives. And so let's talk about this and let's not hide this as we go Definitely. forward. So. 
All right, beautiful, sweet. Thank you so much for the kind words too. I appreciate that. And yeah, we appreciate all the people who continue to listen to this podcast. It means a lot to all of us here that you know people care and people find that what we're doing is meaningful in this world. And so thank you again, everyone around the world and especially the East Coast. (laughs) 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 All right, to wrap up with our stuff, um, please check out griefdreams.ca for more information on the topic. We have recently added a donation button and on the website. So there's different perks. So if you go to you go on the website or go to patreon.com and there's different perks there that you can go and get. Um, one of them is a thank you. So we have a recent donation. So we want to thank Crystal Fellow uh, who recently donated. So thank you so much. We appreciate that. Um, also, if you have Facebook, uh, you can go join the Grief Dreams Facebook group and share your dreams that you have or just listen to other people's dream stories. It's a great community there and then also if you have twitter instagram um, feel free to check us out at at grief dreams so as we love to say with love and gratitude from us to you introduced myself you have introduced yourself this is a very good conversation